0: Following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers in the National Football League. Yeah. Touchdown, touchdown!
1: Panther Panther Talk. Panther, Talk. Panther Talk! This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers
2: Radio Network. We had an opportunity that we let slip away uh, today. And having the chance to be able to, you know, be first, be in first place in this division, but our goal uh, is still there.
1: And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk, live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium.
0: And with that, we say Happy Halloween. It's Monday, October 31st. Anish Shroff, Eugene Robinson. Jim Zocchi, Panthers coming off a heartbreaker, losing over the weekend in overtime to the Atlanta Falcons. And let's get right to it. We bring in head coach Steve Wilkes. Steve, when we talked to you after the game on Sunday, you said the character of this team will be revealed in the way it handles Monday, today. What did you find out about the team from what you saw today?
2: Guys were focused. They came in uh, definitely disappointed, but ready to work and uh, put this game behind us. And I think they realize and understand uh, that we had several opportunities to win that football game, and it was really because of what we didn't do. Uh, A lot of credit to Atlanta. I'm not trying to discredit them, but uh, we got to seize the the moment and the opportunity to take advantage uh, of situations, and we didn't do that yesterday.
3: Coach, I've often heard it said that sometimes you win, you lose, and sometimes when you lose, you win. What did you learn from your offense? Because the offense, I thought, was on point and really improved based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks.
2: Well, I, I think what what we established, and it's just the mentality that I believe in, it's just really controlling the line of scrimmage. And I think uh, our guys up front do a great job of you know, coming off the ball uh, when we're trying to you know, run the ball, get to the second level, and uh, give our backs a chance you know, to do some things out in space. Uh, and then when you look at just PJ having a clean pocket, we got sacked one time. And to be quite honest, it was protection with the running back. You know, uh, it wasn't the offensive line. So I'm very pleased and happy uh, about how we plan up front. And those guys have really created the mindset that we want that physicality.
3: And, and coach, what is Bozeman giving you? My goodness, from last week, I thought he was a beast. And this week, I didn't watch the film like that, but my goodness, he seems to be a guy in there who's who's putting in some major work.
2: Uh, he is, and, you know, number one, I think what he brings is, is a lot of clarity. And that center and has to do uh, – uh, I mean, he has to do a lot when, in regards to protections and really IDing the Mike linebacker and helping P.J. Uh, get ourselves in the right call. So uh, his leadership, his knowledge of the game – And uh, the way he communicates up front, man, is invaluable.
4: Obviously, again, a lot of good, positive things happened during that game to have a chance to win it. As you look back at it, though, the things that areas of improvement, things to fix outside of making kicks, what were some of the things that you saw that uh, you could get better at to to win in the future?
2: Uh, Defensively, you know, we just got to continue to, you know, get off the field on third down. You know, I thought at times our tackling was inconsistent, you know, uh, early on, we really controlled the line of scrimmage and in a critical situation to where we had the right call on, uh, with the quarterback or uh, read, um, we we know we we didn't execute. We had two guys right here going too high, and then the quarterback pulled the ball, uh, which allowed them to be able to get down in, in field goal range. And uh, guys came in this morning accepting responsibility for that and, and realized that you know we got to execute as I talked about earlier earlier in critical situations.
3: Coach, are you talking about the play when um when uh, Mario pulls the ball and, and and burns, and I believe it might have been heart. Hartsfield, was it was kind of, uh,
2: Xavier, Xavier Woods.
3: Woods yeah, they, they they're both yeah. kind of like went right almost right by him.
2: Yes, Is they it? did. And what, what should have happened on that particular play? You know, we had one guy designated for the uh the running back taking the dive, and then uh Xavier right there was outside for the QB, and we both got overly aggressive and allowed him to slip underneath us. So, uh, we knew that going into the game, and, and in this sort of disheartening a little bit because we knew that play was going to happen and we had the perfect call on for it
0: coach what was your message to Eddie Pinheiro
2: well number one uh, I wanted him to know that uh, we have uh, total confidence in him you know one guy as I stated before did not lose this football game and um, you know I wanted him to know that we would still believe in him, and uh, he was going to have an opportunity. I was hoping to to go back out there and really win it for us. And um, you know, we didn't have a a chance to get those guys in a fourth down situation where they could punt.
4: Unfortunately, yeah, yeah Steve. But uh, PJ not the biggest guy back there at quarterback. What are some of the things he does to find passing lanes? And and you know, obviously he made a big throw at the end there. But just to, again to be able to see downfield to make throws like that with his stature.
2: I think, once again, it starts with the offensive line. I think they give him a clean pocket, which creates a lot of uh, pause and presence. And then I think he does a great job, you know, buying time with his feet, being able to drift to his right or his left, but also continue to have his eyes down the field to find the open receiver.
0: Coach, to follow up on P.J., he's shown now in a couple of games – in tight spots, poise, moxie, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, that play at the end of regulation jumps out. But what do you think makes PJ equipped to have that calm and cool in those big spots?
2: I just think he's just fearless. You know, I think he uh, has a lot of confidence in his ability. I think he has built trust in the uh, in the guys, uh, particularly the offensive line. Uh, you can see certain things that you know probably an actual fan can't see just actually watching the tape. I mean, he sits in there. Here comes the pressure. He doesn't flinch or blink. And all of a sudden, now, a lineman peels out and picks him up. So uh, that, that trust is there that he knows offensive line is going to give him time to be able to get the, get the ball down the field.
0: And, Coach, I know at the start of the season, you guys had said as a team, we want the identity of this Carolina Panther offense to be a smash mouth running football team, we've seen that in the last two weeks. What do you think has led to, you know, this identity, you know, really taking shape in these last two
2: weeks? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with really how we practice, uh, you know, the guys, you know, they don't complain, you know, it's work day, Wednesday, we put the pads on and we go at it hard. And I'm, I truly believe your performance in the game is going to reflect your preparation and uh, I want to make sure these guys are, are dialed in and detailed in the, in the little things. So, you know, we put those pads on and we go at it. And those guys, you know, work hard. And they, they, they give themselves a chance, in my opinion, to win on Sunday.
3: Yeah, Chuck Knox, Mike Holmgren, uh, uh Reese, every one of the coaches I've been around have always believed that philosophy that you're talking about, Coach. Coach, w- might we see P.J. run a little bit more? I mean, I see him in the pocket. He's scanning, he's reading, doing his thing. But he also has that ability when he scrambles to look, he's looking down the field. Might we see him go ahead and take off and pick up the first down with his feet?
2: Uh, there's a couple of times this past week I, I felt like he could have. You, you know, I talked about that. You know, coming to the sideline, they 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 sloughing off right here. You know, just go ahead and run, get the first down. So, he has that ability. You know, you know, he did that a lot in college. And again, I feel like he can win with his feet. So, uh, we want to make sure that he has every opportunity right here to take off when it's there.
4: Terrace Marshall has had an uptick in his performances the last couple weeks, as far as involvement and catching the ball and so forth. Is that? more of a chemistry thing that he and P.J. have, or is that just a general, that the state of the offense has kind of opened up a little bit?
2: I I think it's really a combination of both that, um, number one, I feel like they have created a little chemistry there. Uh, P.J. has, uh, Terrace has built confidence, you know, uh, in himself, and I think P.J. has confidence in him. And, um, you know, going back to practice, I spent a lot of time, Um, Definitely on the offensive side of the ball, but during the individual period, I'm down there with the receivers. And um, just seeing Terrace and his day-to-day operation, how he works at his craft, uh, is showing up in the game.
3: And and Coach, this team prior has always been so McAfee-centric. And now we see the focus really on the entire running game and then a distribution by the quarterback. Is that where you see the formula moving forward? Is it like everybody's getting touches?
2: Yeah, I, I, I said it. You know, several times I felt like we have, you know, a lot of talent on this team and uh, the ability to be able to spread the ball around, you know, is important to me and to give guys opportunities and then also just keep the defense, you know, off balance and guessing a little bit. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, Chuba back this week and I see it going back to what we saw, you know, the previous week, which is, you know, running back by committee. Uh, I thought Black Shear and, you know, Spencer Brown did an uh, excellent job this week coming in and spelling for the absence of Chuba. And, you know, again, you see Solomon making a big play at the tight end position, mm-hmm. yep. which was critical. Cool. Uh, so uh, definitely spreading the
0: hey, Coach, before we let you go, we, we've got some hard hitting questions for you. We, we can't let you off the hook too easily. So for trick or treaters who are uh, making their way to the Wilkes household tonight, what sort of candy do they get?
2: Well, I got to go with my favorite, man. You know, Reese Cups. All right. You know, yes. All that's
3: right. what I'm talking the about. Classics. Stay with the classics.
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> old, old school Snicker bars. That's right. You know the big, big so ones, go. Coach, yeah, it's the big exactly ones, right? It's not the
0: bite-sized one. So, one, right? You give you give out the big so, ones?
2: Uh, uh, the big ones for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> my wife and uh believe it or not, you know, my my son, he loves giving out candy. He's for whatever reason, he doesn't like going anymore. He likes to sit at the house and give candy out, so <laughs> that's go. good.
4: Now, Coach, to be clear, this is what we're asking about. You're giving out to the kids now, what you're keeping for yourself <laughs> for tomorrow.
2: Well, if you if you were really having a true camera on me, you can look on my right <laughs> shoulder and see that I have a couple of Snickers in. You know, recent Cups in here as well.
4: <laughs> also, uh, you wore the, the Appalachian State sweatshirt today. Uh, was that just because it was comfortable and available, or was that a little bit of a message to the Mountaineer people out there?
2: Well, it, it was definitely uh, a message of support and uh, pride for myself. You know, um, I, I I love App State and uh, what Sean Clark is, is doing up there. Uh, tremendous job, him and his staff. So just wanted to show them some support. Uh, he and I communicate quite often. So, you know, go Mountaineers. Nice.
0: No Coach, doubt. we appreciate it as always. Uh, enjoy Halloween night. Thank you, Coach.
2: All right. You guys do the same. Take care now. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. Panthers head coach Steve Wilkes. So if you uh, are a trick-or-treater and you're making your way to the Wilkes household, uh, you know, and that's the headline right here. It's racist Peanut Butter Cups. And? It's Snickers bars. What? And it's not the small, my nope. mini ones. It's it's the big ones. Could a couple of 50-year-old types walk by and maybe just get
3: a, <laughs> that's right. a handout? That's right. <laughs> I'm going to put on a helmet in my car <laughs> and be a football player a hard hat dude. One of the dudes. I got a hard hat right there. <laughs> I would pay to see
0: that. Maybe maybe that'll be a segment next week. Eugene goes undercover. That's we find right. out what happens. Report back a week from today. Hey, more to do on this show. We're going to hear from Jacob Eason, uh, one of the Panthers quarterbacks. Plus, we'll talk with Ben Baby from ESPN.com. Cincinnati, he covers the Bengals. We're playing tonight. And that's also the Panthers' next opponent. All that ahead on Panther Talk here on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
1: This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers.
2: I told those guys uh, the identity of this team is going to be determined on how you know, we come in tomorrow with a mindset of ready to work and put this behind us. And, you know, there's a lot of great things happening today. Mm-hmm. And we got to you know, build on those and correct the things that we need to uh, correct.
1: Panther Talk continues
0: on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Well, we had some breaking news in the first segment with Steve Wilks, Panthers interim head coach. Again, Halloween night. King size. Right. King right. size Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And King size Snicker Snickers. Bars. If you're a trick-or-treater who rings his doorbell. That's
3: right. Go ahead. Get down. That's the quality. Br- that's, quality. How you, that's how you win the people. Uh-huh. The Wilks are bringing heat. That's all yeah, I can you don't say. You do be giving out like, <laughs> apple slices and pennies and things no. like that. <laughs> no.
0: Circus Peanuts. Remember yo, those? Yo. Oh, yeah. No. Nah. Come on. No. no. Nah. Whatchamacallits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's like giving oh, yeah. out oatmeal or something like that. Man, that, that. That's <laughs> a good way to get
4: your house egged.
3: <laughs> Broadcast
0: <laughs> roundtables brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with Tri-Clean Sitco Gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. Let's begin with the end of Sunday's game. Jim, you and I were there. Um, we start with, first, the throw, because I don't want to diminish this. The P.J. Walker throw... Every time I watch it, you're just going, man, that, that was a dime. I mean, he dropped, he dropped a dime, and D.J. Moore had his man beat. He got behind the defense somehow. I, I don't know how the Falcons let that happen, but D.J. Moore got behind the defense, <laughs> makes the catch, perfect throw, almost as if it was an old-school Nintendo Tecmo Bowl play, you know, where you, you can just roll out, wait for the guy to go 80 yards downfield, and then whoop.
4: Mm-hmm. No, that was. I mean, it was these next-gen stats. They said that was the longest ball in the air completed since they started keeping that stat in 2016. Wow. From a 2006. Guy, I'm sorry, 2006. 2006. Be, I read that wrong, so it was actually much longer than thought. And uh, you think back to the Rams game two weeks ago, we weren't even throwing past the line of scrimmage, and that was the, the where this offense has evolved this quickly in the trust to, in two weeks with that. But, yeah, that was an incredible throw, and it's great to know it's in the arsenal to have it uh, when needed. But, again, if you've got to make a 25, 30-yard throw, nice to know that he could, he could throw it with accuracy and with strength there, as you said, how the Bengals got in that defense where they got beat, I don't know. But Eugene, you know, it's a it's a great throw when Patrick Mahomes tweets out that was the throw of the year in the NFL from a guy who makes the throw of the year every week in the NFL. Yeah,
3: absolutely, and don't forget, we've seen this the previous week. There is a comfort level with PJ with DJ. That touchdown he threw in the back of the end zone and and DJ and DJ, you know, tight ropes thing and, and that was a dime he threw, and he's been throwing dimes. He's been – there's been people in his face. He's been doing underhand throws like Mahomes and and, and Montana, overhand throws. And you're right. That play to D.J. Moore was one of the best balls in the air for a very long time that gets behind the free safety and the linebacker. I don't know what he's doing running down there with him, but he was down there running with him. And he is in stride in his hands, and he's diving forward. That was an incredible throw. P.J. to D.J. has a nice ring to it. He's also activated –
0: D.J. Moore these last two weeks. Yes. D.J. Moore wasn't getting the ball enough the first few weeks. A lot of the throws that came his way were, frankly, off target. P.J. Walker is finding a way to get D.J. Moore more involved. And, uh, again, bad
3: puns all over the place. But on the field, it's working. It's, it's definitely working. And I you can see that this there's some synergy and energy with this offense. Uh, like, everyone is getting – Touches, you know, and I think the only component that's missing is when PJ Walker decides he's gonna run the ball, uh, when he's looking downfield and there's nothing happening, when he decides he's gonna run the ball and and do like something, a la Cam Newton, a la Lamar Jackson, even though he's much more like a Russell Wilson looking downfield and saying if he can throw the ball, he's gonna become extremely effective and he's gonna be a quarterback hard to stop because every free safety hates. You don't want guys to run because you have to plaster and stay on coverage, and and that's hard to do. Jim,
0: let's talk about what came after. So DJ catches the ball, touchdown, 34-34, and then the flag comes in mm. for taking the helmet off. And we said this on the air almost right after it happened. You know, I kind of get it. The celebration, the emotion, the helmet coming off, and people are quibbling whether he was – you know, still in the field of play, or whether he walked back into the field of play without his helmet off. The point is, it's, it's, it's fait accompli. They threw the flag. To me, it just felt like a release of a lot of emotion built up, not just in this game, but through the first seven games.
4: There needs to be at least, um, a committee to look at like end of game situations like that, as opposed to like someone just doing it in the first quarter. Like, if you get late, it's a celebration. If it's a natural human reaction, like organic as that was, that was not a premeditated, no, I'm gonna go down there and get my TV time. Like, we've no. seen in the past not that long ago, uh, where somebody yes. would take their helmet off and look for a camera. So, to me, this felt more like I was just caught up in the moment didn't know I was doing anything wrong. So you do have to call the penalty because that is the rule. So you have to call the rules as they apply. But it might be something for the rules committee to look at as far as, like, you know, where that matters and, you know, the spirit of the rule.
3: Eugene, how do you play sports without emotion? Here, that's exactly what I'm about to go to. I'm like, look, that was that energy. Don't forget, DJ had a play early in the game that didn't go well, and, and now he has a chance to go ahead and win the game or tie the game when – that's that's energy release. That's like, yeah, we did it. That's right. And you want everybody to know it's, it has nothing to do a, about trying to to taunt another team, anything like that. It doesn't. Has everything to do with exuberance. And I think to your point, uh, Zoke, is that maybe you should look at that because clearly that 15-yard penalty affected the game. Should it be one? I'm for one that says, look, you, you need to. Have a committee that goes in and say, hey, is this really a penalty or not a penalty? Is this really a real infraction where you got a tripping call or something that you're doing outside of the, the lines? Or oh, if so, if it is, should it be that punitive? It's should just, it be yeah, that Should it be as punitive, punitive
4: as a taunting type of offense? Exactly.
3: Should it be a lower class type of uh, uh, offense? Right. So that's my point. Now, are you Atlanta Falcon fans? I get it. So guess what? I'm not going to crowd to spill milk. They call the call there you go. That's how that's how the cookie crumbles, and we all understand it, and we all accept it.
0: And the reality is, there were still two more chances to win that football game. Yes, it was. And Eddie Pinero would be the first one to tell you, he's got to make those kicks.
4: Uh, yeah, and you know, again, in a dome, no wind. I mean, it's a perfect kicking environment. Uh, so even the 48-yarder with the game on the line, you really want to have that one. I mean, you still talk about Scott Norwood missing a 47, 48-yarder for Buffalo 30 years ago in the yeah. Super Bowl. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's expected. So, uh, when you have something le- less than uh, an extra point length, especially – and nobody, again, as you said, no one more than Eddie Pinero knows that. But I love that the coach when he's, – he's got his guys back. Remember last week, Shy Smith bobbled a couple of punts? He looked really good returning punts. And on Monday – Steve Wilkes said, no, he's my punt returner. And he said today, no, we this Eddie's our kicker. So it's like this is all the team Love is it. the team.
0: Ben McAdoo's my
4: offensive coordinator. Love it. All these people have stepped up and continue to thrive
0: at, when given these opportunities. All right, so you heard it here first, Eddie Pinheiro. Game-winning field goal against Cincinnati next week. There you go. That's, well, if not, he's probably going to get a different uh, speech. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Cincinnati, we'll talk with Ben Baby, who covers the Bengals for ESPN.com. On the other side, he's joining us live,
1: and they've got a game in a few hours.
0: This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
1: This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Atrium Health, because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help.
0: Walker remains in the gun three-man rush takes the snap drops back rolls to his left he's flushed loads up airs it deep downfield for dj moore behind his man oh, oh, he, yeah. he caught the ball <laughs> touchdown carolina this is amazing you
2: know um i thought we had a lot of fighting yesterday um you know we've been struggling when we when, when, when we've been down you know so just to see us fight and come back and keep fighting uh It was good to see.
1: This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
0: What a wild swing of emotions in the last minute and then overtime of that Sunday loss to the Falcons. Anishroff, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki with you on Panther Talk. The next opponent for Carolina will be the Cincinnati Bengals this coming Sunday in Cincinnati. You can watch the Bengals tonight on Monday Night Football. They'll take on the Browns and, We bring in Ben Baby from ESPN.com. He's the Bengals' team reporter. Uh, Ben, thanks for joining us. I know you're busy. I know you got a game to cover tonight, so we'll get you in and out. But uh, let's start with this. Um, Four and three, they've been better the last couple of weeks, but did you sense any Super Bowl hangover, something missing early in the season?
5: Yeah, you know, that's a big question that a lot of people had when you looked at how much they struggled at the beginning of the year. And, and quite honestly, I think it was just as, as maybe as simple as Joe Burrow had that appendectomy right before the start of training camp. And, you know, everybody downplayed it, you know, in terms of how much it affected him. You asked him, he said, you know, it's not going to affect me at all. Uh, he felt like he was good to go. But, you know, when you watched him, especially that week one game against Pittsburgh, and you saw him, you know, throw all those interceptions, it, and it was a very atypical performance. You know, it looked like he was trying to fit balls into windows that he felt like he could, but for whatever reason, couldn't. And I think the last couple of weeks he's looked a lot more comfortable. Just just looking at him, you know, it feels like he physically feels good. You know, and and I feel like this Bengals offense has been clicking uh, these last couple of weeks. Now the big question is, can they do that without Jamar Chase? We'll find that out tonight.
3: You know, I'm wondering without Jamar Chase, what does the, uh, uh, the the receiving core look like? I'm sorry, this is Eugene. What does this receiving core look like and will Burroughs have another go to guy or would it be distributed and spread by
5: committee yeah you know eugene it's an interesting you know question that you pose because all year you know we've talked about this bengal's receiving core when you look at you know t higgins tyler boyd and jamar chase and you theoretically you know those guys in other offenses could be potential number 1 receivers Boyd's led the team in receiving yards before higgins has been you know a guy a former you know, high pick that they got. They, they had a first-round grade on him and we're thrilled that he dropped to the top of the second year. They drafted Joe Burrow in 2020. And we'll see what that target share looks like tonight. You know, I expect, you know, guys like Mike Thomas, Trent Irwin, Trent Taylor to, to step up and, and be that wide receiver three. I, I feel like they're still going to end up playing a lot of 11 personnel where they're going to have three wide receivers on the field. But when you look at how much they've been in shotgun, how much they've spread it out the last couple of weeks, I still feel like that's going to be the game plan that they're going to see, and, and I feel like defenses are going to, you know, they, they can only do so much to to take away Higgins and Boyd, so what will we have to burrow to find the right receiver? And they feel like he definitely has that capability, and it's one of the things they really like about him as their franchise quarterback.
4: Hey, Ben, this is Jim Zoki. I love that we have you on because coaches can only look at one game at a time, so I love that we can talk two games at a time with you since you got one tonight. With Cleveland, but we just played Atlanta. We'll see them again next week. You guys put up 459 yards against them in your previous game, which is second most in the NFL of any game this year. And A lot of that came in the first half. Uh, again, knowing that Jamar Chase is out now, what, what's kind of clicking in general? Like, Do, do you guys feel like you've now kind of hit your, your landing spot where you're in a groove collectively?
5: Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy, Jim, because you talk about, you know, that we still are yet to play this game. And I'm like, all right, how, how am I going to, you know, it's weird thinking about this, but a short week, the Bengals are going to have to deal with that. And it's a Carolina team that we saw, you know, has been playing much better, you know, since they made that coaching change, you know, a couple weeks ago. And I feel like this is going to be, you know, a potential game that could sneak up on the Bengals if they don't really do what they need to do when you, when you see what, you know, what, what Carolina has done, uh, you know, for the Bengals, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this game tonight going against Cleveland. You know, are they going to run the ball a lot more, especially against a Cleveland team that hasn't been good against the you know, against opposing rushing teams? And, and quite honestly, I feel like the Bengals will probably stick to their guns and throw it around a good amount, you know, and I think – when you look at the way they want to play games, you know, it's probably the Falcons game is a prime example, you know, get up early, get, you know, use the pass to, to build a big lead. And then in the second half, when you have that advantage, kind of use the run, make the other team press, take some of the air out of the ball. And I feel like we're going to see a lot of that. You know, I think what happens tonight is going to be interesting. If the Bengals jump out to a lead and, and if the same thing happens against Carolina, you know, we may see what, what they did against Atlanta, against Cleveland and against Carolina.
0: Ben, the run game, though, has been inconsistent at times. Joe Mixon just doesn't look like the Joe Mixon who's got 3,000-yard seasons in his career. How do you diagnose that?
5: You know, it's interesting because we – Mixon, actually, we talked to him a few weeks ago when the numbers suggested he was one of the worst running backs in the NFL, not just bad, but one of the worst in the NFL, especially against light boxes when he's – the numbers suggest that he should be running the ball pretty well. And he had a meeting with his offensive lineman, and you know they wanted to get essentially on the same page. Where Mixon, you know, had a, they where they got an understanding of what Mixon was looking at, and he got they, you know, he got to see what they were doing. And you know, it's so critical. in this wide zone scheme that they run with a run game coordinator Frank Pollock, who is in his second season, a guy who's in his second stint with Cincinnati, and, and they felt like it was a big upgrade. You know, in that wide zone scheme, they're, it's their offensive lineman. You know, on, on most of those you know runs, they're essentially creating the gaps and letting Mixon. You know take advantage of whichever gap he wants to you know he feels like is best, and I feel like in the last couple of weeks we've seen the run game be much better. We've seen Mixon be a little bit more decisive he's he's been you know going downhill I feel like he hasn't been as patient waiting for those holes to open and and I think another part of that is the offensive line is also finding a lot of chemistry. You're talking about a unit that's got four new starters on it this year with Jonah Williams the left tackle to only hold over. From the 2021 season, so there's a lot of things coming together, but we do need to see if this run game, especially with Jamar out, can maybe take some pressure off of the passing game. And if it is something that can be effective, it doesn't need to hit a ton of explosive runs. It just needs to do its job, and that could help ease things for as long as Chase is out.
3: You guys, you you guys hold the Jets to 12 points, uh, Dolphins 15 points, then you have uh, 17 points by the um, Falcons and 26 points by the Saints. Where is the defense finding their success? Is it in the stopping the run? Uh, I see the third down percentage is very, very good right now. Is it the pass? Where do you see this mix where the defense is coming up with some pretty good, impressive uh, performances?
5: Yeah, I think w- when you look at what the Bengals have done to opposing teams, you've got to give defense coordinator Louie Narumo a ton of credit. Check this stat out. The Bengals are the first team since 1950 to not allow a defense or an offensive touchdown in the second half According to the Elias Sports Bureau, so we haven't seen something like this, um, you know, in, in for the first seven games going back over 70 years, which is just phenomenal. And, and when you look at what they do, you know, historically the last couple of years, especially since they've or, or overhauled that defense, the run defense has been what they've hung their hat on. But honestly, the last couple of weeks, I feel like you know, New Orleans they gave up a ton of yards in the first half. I thought Atlanta ran the ball really well, which is what they tend to do. But, you know, I, I feel like the pass defense has been something that has been pretty, pretty solid for them. Now, that'll be something to watch tonight against Cleveland. We, we expect rookie Cam Taylor Britt to make his first career start in place of the injured Eli Apple, who was listed as doubtful on the game status report. We'll find out in a few minutes if he's indeed going to be active. But I expect Cam Taylor Britt to, to be the one starting, and, and we'll see how he fits in with this defense that has really made good second-half adjustments, and, and teams have really struggled to score touchdowns against them.
0: Ben, I know you got work to do. I know you got a game to cover tonight. Bengals Browns on Monday night before the Bengals host the Panthers in Cincinnati this coming Sunday. Appreciate the time, Ben.
5: Hey, Anish, anything for you, man? Looking forward to seeing you this weekend.
0: All right, we got it. All right, Panther talk continues. That was uh, Ben Baby, ESPN.com, Baby Baby Bengals reporter. We'll be back after this. Not to be trusted.
1: Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
0: And we're back on Panther Talk. And Raff, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki. Happy Halloween. We have talked a lot about the uh, Panther offense making huge strides the last couple of weeks. I want to focus on the defense in particular, Eugene. One player who I think is blossoming into a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber type on the defensive line
3: and, and, and that's Derek brown i thought Derek brown played a heck of a game Derek brown got double-teamed a lot in this in this past game and i was like oh man he's getting pushed but he's getting double team and then i saw him off the double team split the double teams and then get penetration in the in the backfield i'm like oh, my goodness there was one play where he beat his man off the line of scrimmage he hit the running back and then off the hitting the running back he tackled the quarterback and i'm like How do you? When do you have that time to do all that? I mean, you don't have enough time to go ahead and beat your man, hit the running back, and then skate off to hit the tackle the quarterback. That's that's kind of crazy, otherworldly. Warren Sapp does stuff like that. Reggie White does stuff like that. Um, Bruce Smith does stuff like that. And what I saw, I was like, my goodness, dude! Uh, Cortez Kennedy does stuff like that. This young man can flat out play, and I think you're absolutely right. He is a bonafide star, no doubt about it, and he adds so much to that defensive line that complements what Burns brings to the table coming off with a wide nine and getting pressure from the outside.
4: And you think back to last season around this time, he got taken out of the starting lineup as a message and then you know came back later to get back reinserted in other games. But towards the end of last year, I mean, this team was getting gouged up the middle with r- simple run plays, and now yes. that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen. And with Ionitis in there, with him in there, uh, the rotation. I mean, this this defense uh, w- was was leaky last year, and, and now they've really they've really plugged that up with what they've done with the, the roster this year over there.
3: And don't forget, Atlanta is a really good running team. They run the ball extremely well. They run downhill, and. They'll cross you up. They'll do zone stretch. They'll hit you with some power stuff. They'll hit you with some traps. They do a great job of getting pushed off the ball. That's their bread and butter. And when it wasn't working, they relied on Mariota to go ahead and make some plays. And Mariota was able to make those plays.
4: And just, again, to look against what we do now, two, three games in advance, as we like to do now instead of one. Cordell Patterson will be back for Atlanta. I'm sure he'll be back for that Thursday game when we see him. And he makes that whole offense go yeah, he does. for Atlanta.
0: Yeah. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? All of the above. Um, the other guy, Jim, that I thought played his best game of the year was Yitor Gross Matos yeah. on Sunday.
4: Which is what they need. You know, when, when Hassan Redick uh, is a free agent and goes to Philadelphia, you've got to replace that. And it doesn't have to be just one guy, but you need him to do a big chunk of that over there. And he's just like, in all three years, kind of gotten more physical and bigger uh, and not just like an edge rusher, you know, more of the complete, uh, you know, run defender and all that. So he just needs to do his, his job. I mean, he doesn't have to be the star of the defense. You got a great one on the other side with Brian Burns, who's been to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but you're right, having Yitor over there, he should be freed up because there should be a lot of attention yes, on Spider Man, right? So it's, there should be opportunities here. I hate to say Mike Rucker was a great player, but Mike Rucker also had Julius Peppers on uh-huh. the other side. So when you've got that star on yes. the other side, and then you want that complement on the other side just to balance it out.
3: And what and what Gross Motos needs to do also, I think you have to beat, you have to win against the tight end. A defensive end should always be winning against the tight end. Maybe the, the the tight end could beat your linebackers maybe at times, but not your defensive end and not your three technique or your one technique, your defensive tackles. And I think that he's going to be able to to earn more currency if he's able to really shut down that side and force that ball back into Derrick Brown and crew or let Frankie Louville or Shaq come up there and make that tackle from inside out because there's no place to run outside or inside.
4: All right, a couple of injuries in the secondary from yesterday. Injury updates are brought to you by Ortho Carolina. at any of Ortho Carolinas. 40 locations, you'll receive the absolute highest level of orthopedic care possible from your first appointment to your full recovery and all points in between. Justin Burris uh, left the game with a concussion and it was also Dante Jackson dealing with that uh, ankle injury, had to leave uh, in the fourth quarter. Ortho Carolina, a better choice, official team physician of the Carolina Panthers.
0: When we come back, we'll hear Jim's interview with Jacob Eason, Panthers quarterback. That's still ahead here on Panther Talk. You're listening to the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
1: This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers.
0: Twins to the right, Walker the snap. Hands off Foreman up the middle, breaks a tackle. Five, touchdown. two, <laughs>
1: touchdown!
0: Deontay Foreman from 12 yards out. And that is three touchdowns now for Deontay Foreman.
2: Is tough when you play a game like that and man don't get the victory so you know it definitely hurt um but we just got to get back to you know focusing and just you know staying together you know we just can't we can't um get away from each other we got to stay together stay the course and just continue to believe back to Anish
1: Roth, eugene robinson and jim zoki with panther talk on the carolina panthers radio network
4: Panthers quarterback Jacob Eason was signed to the practice squad at the start of this regular season. He saw late action, though, in the Panthers game against the L.A. Rams, completing three of five passes for 59 yards and an interception. A native of Lake Stevens, Washington, Eason played two college seasons at Georgia before transferring to the Washington Huskies. Originally a fourth-round pick of the Colts in 2020, he would move on to Seattle around this time last year. We talked about the many changes that have already impacted Carolina this season at quarterback with five different players in the mix since preseason.
6: Absolutely. No, it's uh, obviously it's been been evident with the injuries and everything. Obviously, don't like injuries, hate it for the guys and wish them speedy recoveries and in the whole nine there. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the mentality, it really is next man up and and. Uh, just got to be ready to go and, and step in there and, and do our job
4: whole things transition right new head coach and on the defensive side a new defensive coordinator how's it been transition wise having uh, steve Wilkes in there as head coach uh, following what happened before and now you guys have a, another week to get ready for a new opponent
6: yeah i think it's been great i think coach Wilkes has been been saying the right things and, and and leading the group in the right ways and i think guys are buying into what he's saying and really believing and, and going out there and then guys are buying in on the on the three pillars and, and believing and uh we've got a good group here so i'm excited to see what happens this week I know your team guy everybody is in here win first but
4: for you nice opportunity to get out there and play I mean this is what you grew up as a little kid right getting the opportunity to go play on Sundays
6: right absolutely yeah no I mean everyone's dream is to go out there and play but uh you know in my situation exactly like you said team first uh, I'm gonna do everything I can to to help PJ be ready and, and anything he needs and and also you know anything the team needs you know my job is to try to help the team win um Obviously, got to be prepared myself as well for any any given situation. Uh, So, I got to be ready for anything and got to be ready to go at a moment's notice.
4: All right, last thing for you,
6: taking back to college.
4: You were at Georgia, then Washington. That almost seems commonplace now among big time quarterbacks that so many of them play at multiple schools. Of course, transfer portals different now, but uh, is that kind of the fact of just how college football has become for that position, especially?
6: Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy, you know, especially in the last couple years with NIL and obviously the transfer rule going away. Um, It's like the Wild West is the way I look at it. Guys are just you know you, you watch one year and the next year is on a different squad so uh i think it's good though obviously guys want to play um i think this kind of promotes competition in a way not that it wasn't before you know but i think i think guys are getting better chances at going to different different schools and playing now and and uh, i think the kids also have more control and you know obviously their decisions and, and and what they want to get done uh on the field and off the field so i think things are turning in the right direction um college football has always been exciting, and, and I think it'll continue to be, so, um,
4: yeah. Great stuff. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate, Appreciate you. Thank you. And that's Panthers quarterback, Jacob Eason. More Panther Talk coming up after this.
0: Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio
1: Network. All
0: right, All right as promised, uh, let's get into some fun stuff here at the end. It's Halloween, right? We got some Mailbag, Twitter questions here, so uh, we'll just try to rapid fire and get as many of these in as we can. Jim, we'll start with you. All right, uh, favorite favorite scary movie? I well, we had this conversation on the weekend. We uh, Sandra and I don't like scary movies, so
4: one of my favorite scary movies is actually Scary Movie because it's funny <laughs> the, the parody it, of scary <laughs> movies because it's a parody it, and it's <laughs> very funny. It is so, funny. It is very funny. My friend, real quick, I'll say the first one I remember seeing. I Maybe mean, was the first one I saw. Was The Shining, and I never got over it. Just, oh wow! Really? I just I never recovered from The Shining. That's
0: my favorite. That that's okay. mine. Jack Torrance. Come on. Yes, sir. here's Johnny. Yeah,
4: that's Eugene. I just can't Mine's deal with is the Friday kids. the Thirteenth. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was all scared, man. And what's the name? My goodness. Candy Man's another one. Oh, Candy Man. Candy Man freaked me out the first time I saw it.
3: Yeah, yeah, candy man. And what's the dude with the Saint uh, Elmos? Not Elmos, but the dude with the little the, the things on his head. Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, man, that yeah, dude, man, yeah. with the kind of messed up face and everything, and yeah. with the hat on.
0: What an actor!
4: Yeah, he amazing.
3: Was, he, <laughs> All right,
0: so that that question was from Dia. This is what a uh, he was. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to steal this one from uh, Brad M Lee at Brad M Lee. Um, what's the worst candy that you can give out on Halloween? The worst candy. Mary Janes
3: I was I'm thinking of Mary Janes is the, the the chewy things, right? Right, when you take the wrapper off it sticks, I, to, it the sticks actual to the act oh, just
0: a little
4: like
3: yeah. Candy. Does yeah. that still exist? Yes, they do exist. The, 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 dollar the store. Mary Zickos. Yeah. The Mary Janes. <laughs> that you know what? That's I'm, bad. I, and I'm not a big super fan of Smarties either.
4: I agree. Too so sugary. I to the love them as a kid, to be uh, honest uh, with you. They're, they're, really, they're tart, right? The Sparties they, are they're, they're yeah, like the they're little tart, tart yeah. ones. Get they're get one so little, like half them fall out of a little
0: package.
3: And sometimes you get a, a really sweet one and you, you bite into it and it's yeah, like dust. Yeah, I don't smarties, smarties. Yeah.
0: What's the, I always get them confused. Is it good, in, good and Plenty or Mike and Ike's? The, Mike and Ike's is the, the fruit flavored ones. The okay, good those and plenty, are okay. Those are, good. Yeah, those those are okay. Are good. good and Plenty is like the white and purple ones. It's the licorice ones, right? Yes. I don't do licorice. I don't do the licorice. Yeah, that's a no. All right, what about the best candy? We already know Steve Wilkes goes. King size Reese's and Snickers. Jim, Reese's well, what's the, What's the Zoki household it's, handing it's out?
4: Snickers, and here's where Steve was right. I, I mean, it's chocolate, nougat,
3: Ooh. It's nougat, caramel peanuts. I mean, it's got it's a, it's an entire like every food group. Nougat. I'm ta- I'm down with the Snickers and the Reese's cup. As a matter of fact, DL has some Snickers and Reese's cups in that over the, that drawer there. I'm gonna help myself to a couple every of them before Halloween I get here. out of here.
0: Reese's cups. Are the absolute best. DL right. is the um,
3: executive producer. That's what I'm talking about. Give give me your best Halloween costume that you've had. I dressed up like a girl. My sisters dressed me up like a girl and I won a, like a first prize in a in this uh, contest. We need, we need pictures. Oh my <laughs> goodness, dude. My sisters dressed me up like a girl. And they said, You're gonna win. Trust me, you're gonna win, you're gonna be a good looking girl. And I won. <laughs> <Dang it. laughs> you missed your calling
4: i missed my calling there you go this was actually an adult memory from about probably now eight or ten years ago ron burgundy oh, i had no. a great ron burgundy <laughs> and of course i have microphones so i had that part already was mustache, mustache. what's it goodwill got a really nice old corduroy jacket with patches on the elbows but yeah burgundy.
0: suits so fine they make sinatra look <laughs> like a hobo um, i went i went as gus fring last year the chicken man from the Breaking chicken Bad with, yeah. the, with the oh, apron, yeah. the oh, yellow gosh. shirt, the black tie. That's pretty good you one know? right there. Yeah. Right. Breaking
3: Bad. All right.
0: Yeah. It'll work. So, um, all right, a couple more. Uh, this one's on PJ Walker. Any chance PJ Walker
3: can be the guy long term? Yes. Until PJ messes things up, PJ is the guy in the story.
4: His job to keep, and I don't think he's going to lose the grip on it as long as he stays healthy. I'll tell you the way he's playing, I don't see him having a drop off.
3: All right. On
0: that note, we say enjoy Halloween, trick and treat. We'll see you next Monday.
1: This has been Panther Talk, brought to you by Atrium Health, because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Panther Talk, Panther Talk, Panther Talk. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.